invited uh, Simon before. just want to welcome you, brother, to come and share with us. Uh, let me pray as you come. Father, we acknowledge that uh, there is so much that's happening all over our world. And uh, we'll focus on just one section today, but our prayer is that we will be people of joy, people of uh, receptivity, people of giving. Thank you for Simon. Thank you for the Ministry of Compassion International. And Lord, would you bless us as you bless upon him with his message today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. It's a delight to be with you um, here in the North Country. I left a very gloomy, damp, cold Brisbane um, yesterday, and it was nice to get off the plane for warmth and sunshine. It's um, not just the weather, but it's, I love coming back to places um, where there are familiar faces and had the privilege of taking a few from this church over to Thailand about two years ago now, or more, actually. Time goes so fast, doesn't it? But um, you really get to know people when you live with them for about um, 10 days or so. And you see them first thing in the morning, you see them last thing at night, and there's no hiding. Um, but all good. We had a, a, a very, very special time away. I love that song we've um, just sung, Simple Words, Scripture Words. And um, it reminded me of um, something I heard really recently, just at another church, actually last weekend, and someone was saying that um, one day when they stand before Jesus and they get to heaven, they're looking forward to many things. And one of the things they said they were looking forward to was talking to Moses and to find out from Moses, hey, what is it like to um, you know, have the, the, you know, the pillar of, um, of cloud and, and fire? And what was it like to go through the Red Sea? And what was that like? And then they said... Um, and Moses would probably say, I've been wanting to ask you, what was it like to have God in you, to have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside you? What was it like? And it's interesting you know, how we can look at different perspectives and we think, oh, if, you know, if I saw that, if I was part of that, then it would be fantastic. But someone else will always say another thing. And, and he is before us, he is behind us, he is beside us, and he is in us. What a privileged people we are. To know that was it Moses. It was Moses who said, "Oh, that the spirit of the of the prophets would be upon and in all people." He is. He is. So, for those of you who are maybe new to Northreach or you've missed when I've been here before, my name's um, Simon. I was a, a pastor of um, two churches for about 20, 20 years, so just over. Um, prior to this role with Compassion, for about which I've now been doing for about four years. And um, if you haven't come across Compassion before, uh, really what encapsulates all we do is that statement on the screen, releasing children from poverty in Jesus' name. And that is what we're about. We're unashamedly Christian. We're, we think it's the, the best way to see children released from poverty is introduce them to Jesus. So we, um, we've been told by some marketing companies if we took the term Jesus out, we'd be able to get more people and more businesses would, would give. But we refuse to take Jesus out of compassion. And um, uh, it's the center of what we do. Um, on the, the next slide... Um, Something that I'm very passionate about, and we are in compassion, is relationship. And that's why our core thing is really sponsoring children. Um, and a lot of people think, oh, if I, if I just give some money to help a child, that, that will help them out of poverty. It does help. 
But actually, it's a lot more than that. And, um, and we passionately believe that relationship is, is key. There's something about when you meet a child and you see them. Some of you have done that. You've been to Thailand where a lot of you sponsor. And you've, you've sat in a, in a little wooden house in a room that, that is quite tiny. Um, and, and they'll say something when you go, something like, please don't forget us. Please don't forget us. Because relationship is key. Relationship's important. And um, a lot of people don't, um, don't, write, um, don't write letters. And if you do sponsor and you haven't written for a while, this is the part where you feel a bit guilty. And that is the idea. Um, because sometimes we think, well, I'm giving money, you know. I'm, I'm caring by giving money. And, and that's how you help someone out of poverty, isn't it? Part of it. But I don't think we realise in Australia that our poverty is relationship. There are many, many lonely people in Australia. And, we don't, and sometimes when you travel to another nation, you start realising that they, they, they're rich in community because they can't survive without community. Whereas we can kind of soldier on and do our thing and we go in and we shut our door and we don't realise the importance of relationships. So for a child, someone in a country writing to them, in a country that's doing well, means a lot. It's the thing that will get them over the hardships of what they face. And so um, the, the power of writing to a child, just simple things to encourage them and to be a blessing to them means a lot. So if you haven't written for a while, this is your reminder. Please do write. You haven't got to write um, a great big epic essay. You know, it hasn't got to be this work of art of um, you know, like a Charles Dickens writing or anything like that. Just how your day has been. A story I often share about letter writing is is I was down um, south of Brisbane visiting some pastors and I had a, a break over lunch and I was driving past a place called Yatla. If you've been down that way, you see some of you nodding. There's a pie shop there. It's renowned um, all, all over Queensland, I think. And so I stopped for a pie and I had my bacon and cheese and steak pie because they're the best ones. And, um, and, I, and I had my pie. I had a bit of time. I checked my phone and there was a, a letter from one of the children I sponsor in Thailand and so I, I sat there and started to write, Dear Mix, um, just got your letter. So good to hear how you're going. I just stopped for lunch and I'm writing, and then I thought, oh, should have taken a photo of my pie. You know, they, they don't, pies aren't big in Thailand. So, um, so just so he knows what a classic Aussie lunch is like. And a chap sat down next to me with, with a nice new pie that he hadn't dug into yet, and here's my dirty plate. And I said, excuse me, mate, can I take a photo of your pie? And he looked at me like I'd lost the plot, but I explained why, and he said, sure, go for it. So I take a photo of a pie, and I send, I send that off to Mix with a, with a letter just to encourage him. It took me about two minutes to do the whole thing, just to encourage him. It doesn't take long. You can write on your phone, on computer, or by hand. So please, please write. Um, I can't um, say that enough. The core three things that we focus on in compassion, again, what's on, this, on the screen there. So we're Christ-centered. I've mentioned that already. We're all about Jesus. We're child-focused. You know, children are among the most vulnerable in society. Today and every day, around 16,000 children under five will die from preventable causes. Just try and get your head around that figure. 16,000 children under five every day, 5.9 million children per year dying because they don't have access to clean water, they don't have nourishing food, 
There's no just basic medical care. Those things that we can do something about. And I don't know about you, those statistics, they, that's not okay. That's not okay. So we think if we can focus on a child and help them with the basic necessities, then you give them some options to be able to get through life and to thrive. So we focus on children. The other um, thing with statistics, with COVID, the figures are, are, are guesstimates at the moment. But since the 1990s, extreme poverty has been on the decline, which is great news. So ever since the 90s, extreme poverty has been declining around the world, which is fantastic until last year. And with COVID pandemic around the world, those figures have reversed for the first time for quite a few years. The estimations are between 70 to 130, 140 million people will go into extreme poverty because of COVID. So at a time like this, in a nation, again, where we're doing so well, um, I was talking to my mum last night, she lives in the UK, they, they have been on lockdown since March last year. You know, and that's the UK, you know. So when you look at other nations um, where it's just tragic what is um, going on at a time like this, what a great opportunity to be able to reach out and say, let me do something about that. Let me see if I can change the life and a world for one child. And together we can do that. You know, within Compassion, our new CEO, Claire Steele, she was sharing um, something that our um, Compassion International president um, was talking about. When we started in the 1950s, um, started by sponsoring 35 children in South Korea. South Korea are now a sponsoring nation. Now, how good is that? It's a, it's a country that has gone from being sponsored to sponsoring, and they do a phenomenal job of sponsoring many, many children. So that, that was 35 children in the 1950s. Now, Compassion, through people like yourself, sponsors over 2 million children in 25 countries around the world. Now, that's great, isn't it? And it sounds great when you compare 35 to 2 million. But if we were to look at the, the, the number of children in poverty who need helping, if we were to grow at the same rate we've been growing at, it would take 10,000 years to reach all the children in poverty. When I heard that, I said, is that, is that right? Can you check the maths again? You know, Is that right? 10,000 years. And again, I thought, that's not okay. That's not okay. You know, we're kingdom people, aren't we? We pray, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, God has a bias to the poor. So if there's something that you can do about that this morning, we invite you to join the other 80 people or so that sponsor children um, from, um, from this church within Compassion. And 50 of those are in Thailand where you have your, your partnership with us. So that's a cluster of projects all in the same area of Thailand. So you're all about the same thing. Um, and all the children I have for sponsoring are from that area. Um, I want to show you a video in just a moment. Before that, on the next slide is um, one of the children that um, my wife and I have sponsored. Uh, her name is Marilyn. She's in the, the Philippines. And she graduated two years ago. Two years ago now. And I had the privilege of meeting her last year. It was the last trip I did before COVID. And um, so here's a photo with... Uh, Mary Lennon. My wife and I sponsored her through the latter part of her sponsorship when she was doing her nursing studies. My wife is a, a midwife and a nurse, and we thought, what a great opportunity to link up that and to encourage her. So um, we wrote often, and um, 
Then I got to meet her and her, and her sister. And it turns out that I'd met her sister before, who I reckon she showed a photo of me with her sister. And I'm saying, I didn't know that that was your sister. And I had a photo of Marilyn in the background that I never knew we were going to sponsor her one day when I visited that project once before. So very special time. It was a um, sweaty eye moment. That's bloke code there. Um, but I didn't know what she was going to go through in the months from when we met. So she's working at a hospital in Manila, and if, you're, if you've been catching up with the news, Manila has been pretty hard hit by COVID. She shared um, over Facebook, because we're still in touch with her, that... Um, she was coming out of work, went to get some, um, just went to get some supplies. They're doing 12-hour shifts. She's tired, exhausted, went to get some food before going home. She said I had a uniform under her jacket and, and someone spotted a nursing uniform and they said, oh, get away, get away from me. And she was just sharing how that, how that hurt her of, of having to work so hard and, and to try and help her people um, and at risk of catching COVID, which she did get in July last year. Seven, seven doctors from her hospital died from COVID. You know, in a, in a nation that's stretched with the health system anyway, it just brought it home to me of someone I'd met and I knew and, and um, was writing to and hearing something of the difficulty and the pain that she was going with. So that's uh, where I talk about relationship. We're still in touch. We still, you know, her, her, her picture and what she's going about pops up on my news feed. Um, in Facebook. You can't do that with your sponsored children if you're already sponsoring, by the way, so please don't do try and find them. That's no go. But afterwards, when they graduate, if you want to, you can. Because it's a relationship more powerful than poverty. She feels like one of our children. So that's the opportunity that's there. So before we come to, um, to God's Word, if, you, um, if you're thinking about, oh, maybe, maybe I could sponsor $12 a week, and I said, that's the price of three coffees a week. And um, some people say to me, well, I think, I, I, can I just go away and pray about that? And I, and I look at them and say, um, really? It's not really a question of whether you should pray about it or not. It's a question of whether you can afford to do that or not. If you can't afford to do that, please don't. We don't want people to go into debt sponsoring. That's not what we're about. But if you can, there's the opportunity. And I, I even say, if you go away and pray about it, what do you think God's going to say? No, don't help a child in poverty. We, we know that God has a bias for the poor. So if it's something within your capability to do, um, then um, the opportunity is there. Please come and see me at the table afterwards, and I'll be glad to show you some children that have been waiting for quite a long time for a sponsor, and um, the opportunity is there. So in closing this section, I want to um, show you a, a video. This is an, an update from Thailand um, through COVID. Just a little description. You'll see a river comes up quite often. That's the dividing river between Thailand and Myanmar. And if you're, again, watching the news, there's been a lot of struggle going on in Myanmar. And we have a lot of projects just over the border. So they're doing a lot from Thailand, taking supplies over to help those um, in that nation. So um, if you went to Thailand, you may recognize someone in the, in the video here. So here we go. Thank you. Greetings, compassion supporters who are sponsoring children in Thailand. It's a privilege and honor to be speaking to you today and to be encouraging you through this difficult season. 
There are over 180 church partners with approximately 50,000 children being sponsored in Thailand. Most churches have been affected by COVID-19. And because of COVID-19, many parents have lost their job and the parents could not provide for the family. Locally, I've seen people were very desperate, very hopeless. Our church partners are not only providing food parcels to give away to the families, but they also provide a long-term solution to the families by equipping the parents with new way of income generation, by providing them vocational skill sets in order for them to start earning the money for the family. One story is the one church, they um, make the mask and give to the every student, every family in the church. And they not just stop that, they give to the community as well. They use their own money, not the compassion money, to provide food for the, those who in need. So this is just, wow, this touched my heart that they know that they are salt and light in the community and they reach out to the uh, outside of the wall, not just the beneficiary. Through this crisis of coronavirus, many people are getting to know God through our help. Well, over the past month, life is getting better now since we don't have new cases confirmed in Thailand. Please keep our children in your pray and also pray for the reopening project activity and make sure that our children would be known, loved and protected. You are our hero. Massive thanks to our compassion sponsor, supporter. I understand how hard it is has been to you as well, to all of us. But through this pandemic, I have seen us, the humanity between become stronger together as one. Although our lives may not be the same, let Christ be the center of our new normal. You will always be in my prayer. May His light a new way and ignite your bones. I love that that last line. I don't know how that translates. May may He ignite your bones. And I just love that depth of of um Christ, how he comes out um, so much in there. Let's have a look at God's word together. I want to read from a very uh, familiar story to probably most of you, and it's from Mark chapter, Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. If you could go to the boat picture slide, that would be great. And as I um, read this passage, maybe use this picture on the screen to... Um, Put yourself there and visualize Jesus in the back of this boat. And and I would say that it's a, a fairly rough sea, but I don't think it's got to real storm conditions yet. Um, so think what it would be like. Well, maybe you can only just see the top of the mast. So um, Mark chapter 4, verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was. I like that phrase, just as he was. Now, how else would, how else would Jesus go? There's something about just as he was. There were also other boats with him. 
A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Just think about that for a moment. We're not talking a big boat. You know, we're not talking cabin cruiser with, with the downstairs cabin you know, in the stateroom. We're talking a boat like this. And um, the waves are crashing over the boat in such a way that it's nearly swamped. And Jesus is sleeping on a cushion. How is that possible? Ever wondered that? You know, if, if I came and threw a bucket of water over you while you were sleeping in your bed, I, I suspect you'd wake up. Um, but somehow he was sleeping. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I want us to consider this morning, which is the greater miracle? Jesus calming the storm or sleeping through it? I don't know about you, I grew up in, in church and I've, I, I felt like I knew this story inside and out. I'm, I've acted it, I've coloured it in, you know, I've drawn it, I've um, talked about it, we've discussed it, and, and yet that had never really struck me before. How could Jesus sleep? With water crashing over the boat and crashing over him, how could he be sleeping on a sodden, wet cushion? Which is the greater miracle? And when Jesus said, where is your faith? I don't know. Was he talking about, you need to have faith like this to calm a storm? Or was he saying, why are you so afraid? At the beginning he says, let's go to the other side. And with God, when God says, let's go to the other side, he he could add, and we'll get there. (laughs) Because he promises us to never leave us or forsake us. The promises in the Old Testament and in the New And this promise is true for us as well. He'll get us to the other side. So why were they so afraid? It's just that Jesus didn't point out that they were going to have a furious storm along the way. And and we don't don't, um, have any guarantees that life is going to be smooth sailing or a rocky road. And for some of you, you may have had, um, had a really pretty easy life. Talk to a couple, they sponsor a lot of children. And a fairly wealthy couple. And the wife was saying to me and my wife some time ago, you know, she said, sometimes I, I say, you know, what, why, why are we so blessed like this? They've not really had any health issues. Their businesses have gone really well. Their children all love, the, love Jesus. Their grandchildren are growing up healthy and well. And, and I said, don't question that, but just thank God for that. And they're being a blessing to a lot of other people, very generous people. You get some people like that, then... Another family, they just seem to go everything, go through everything under the sun. And we think it's not fair. But we don't get to choose. But God says, I will be with you always. Whether the road is really stormy or whether it's really calm. On the next slide, I've, um, I used to picture... Excuse me a second. <coughs> I used to picture... Being a Christian, having to be like that, 
Like if you know Christ, you have to be strong, you have to be unshakable, that you know your your foundations are in Jesus, He's the rock, and so you can be immovable. You know, you can you can stand there and whatever the world throws at you, bang, you can take it. That was the, the image that I, I had of what being a Christian had to be like. But I don't now I don't think it's the, the right picture. Because for me that is everything about a firm foundation, yes, but it's everything about external. Isn't it? You could have nice soft cushions and everything dainty and everything inside that and they'd be okay. But the exterior has got to be strong in order to cope with everything that, that the, the wind and the waves will throw at that. But um, I don't always feel like that. I don't know about you. Um, my wife and I have had a pretty rocky, rocky year. I had a car accident when I was up here which is last year which has left me with headaches I can't get rid of. And so it's been a hard year. My wife's been in hospital for a week, just two weeks ago, for unknown causes. And so look, we never know what's around the corner, do we? we? We don't know. But we know that Jesus says, I will be with you always. And so on the, the next picture, I, um, I love this picture. And you've got someone who looks very ordinary on the outside, but then... Then on the inside, there's this peace that is the core of who they are. And when I think about this passage that I've read this morning, and um, in the light of that picture, I look at it like this: that the disciples, the disciples, they were fishermen. If you like, like the other picture, they were used to the storms. They were used to things coming up and, and storms coming up on the Sea of Galilee. I've been there. I've, I've sat on the shore side and I've seen what that lake's like. And storms, the winds just come down from the, the hills around and, and things whip up really quickly. They knew that. But what they did in this scenario was they let the storm inside of them. The external storm that was raging came inside them to such a point that they were terrified and thought they were going to drown. So think about that image, the raging storm on the outside. And the, the raging storm can, can be different things for different people. You know, it could be you know, the car accident or my wife's spot in hospital or a work situation you're in with maybe a, a toxic workmate that, that creates a storm wherever they go. Maybe a difficult neighbour, could be a health issue, could be a struggle in a family. What is your storm? And do you let that storm impact the inside of you? And then if we compare that with Jesus, who's so peaceful on the inside, he can sleep through a storm when water is crashing over him. Wow. When we think about that and we think about the reality of that, it's no surprise that when Jesus just stood up and said, peace be still, he just let the peace that was on the inside of him influence what was happening on the outside. A reversal of the disciples. They let the outside influence the inside. But as people of God, with God in us, we can be people of peace, even when there's a storm raging on the outside. And I believe passionately that, that we need to be able to show ourselves to be people of peace in the middle of storms. You know, people watch us. Remember my wife sharing a, a story. She was making a bed with another nursing staff 
And um, they'd worked together for about two or three years. And this um, other nursing staff said to her, you don't gossip, do you? She'd been watching and listening for two to three years and noticed that my wife didn't join in with the, the gossip in the staff room. And then she proceeded to tell her difficulties that was going on in her life that she never shared with anyone. Because she knew she shared it with some people, it would have gone around the ward. You know, people are watching us, and we need to be people like that who we can let how we are on the inside impact those around us in the community. And they can be they can be things in our demeanour when you go for a medical appointment, just on how you speak to someone, how you come over. Someone at the checkout when you're buying your groceries. And they might be really flustered. They may have had a... remember one checkout. I was there with my wife, actually. We were just getting a few supplies on our way back from somewhere. And, um, and I just said, oh, hi, how are you? And I looked at their name badge and said their name. I said, how's your day going? And they just looked down for a minute and I said, rough day? And they said, I've had so many people be so rude to me today. It's really hard. And I said, well, that's not going to happen with this customer. <laughs> so may your day get better from today. You know, just, just asking a question doesn't take a lot. But to be people of peace who bring peace. We're a blessed people, aren't we? Who we've just been singing about. Maybe you're a person and, and you don't really know that peace. And I want to kind of wrap things up with a very personal story. On the next slide... Um, there's a um, this is a picture of Austria, and um, there's a uh, end of last year. I was asked to speak at a church, and um, they asked me to do the backstory of a carol. And so um, this carol popped into my head, very familiar carol to. Um, to many of you, Silent Night, Holy Night. And I, so I did the, the backstory, got this all ready, but I, um, I wasn't ready for what, um, how God was going to challenge me about the story of this carol. So um, the band were a bit worried when I asked if we could sing a carol today. They thought it's not Christmas. Has this guy lost the plot? But we'll sing that in just a moment. Just got a few things to share first. But the backstory of this carol is the... Um, the uh, writer of the words, he was, um, he was an associate pastor, like assistant pastor, and he'd, he'd have a, had a pretty rough ride. Things had been going, not been going very well. And he, was, he lived in Salzburg by the River Salts, and he decided one particular day when he had a really hard day to just go for a walk. And he went for a walk. It was just coming up to dusk. And he looked over a village scene, something like that. And... Um, he started thinking about the, 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 the Christmas story. And some words came to him as he took some moment to be still and to be quiet. And he wrote down, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. And he wrote the words to what we now know as the carol. And um, it brought some peace and calmness to him. And he, he, he put that away and he went back down and got on with life. And it was about two years later on the run up to Christmas, he was looking after a church a bit further along the, the River Salts and it's an area that was prone to flooding and it would happen to the church and it happened again to the church to the point that the organ was damaged 
And even though the flooding had now resided, they couldn't get the parts for the organ. And their big thing of the year was this carol service where people would come from all around to sing these carols together. And um, he was devastated. He was thinking, this is our big service, this great opportunity, and we, 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 um, we don't know what, what can we do. We've got no organ. And, um, and he was starting to get flustered and, and, and uptight. And, and um, he decided to go for a walk. And he went up again for a walk. And, and as he looked back at his village, he was reminded of a similar scene like this some two years earlier where he'd written some words. And so he, he hurried back down to his house and he started rummaging through all his journals and papers to try and find this poem that he'd written two years earlier. And, and finally he comes across it and he, he goes out to his friend. By the way, this guy is in his early 20s. You know, I always think that carols are written by old people. Um, but um, he, 20-year-old, 20-year-old wrote this carol. So um, he, went, he was a local math teacher, this friend of his, who was the organist as well. And he said to him, um, I've got these words. Is there any chance that you could put some music to them for tomorrow night? <laughs> and, um, and that night, that next night, these two 20-year-olds stood on the, at the front of the church with a guitar and sang Silent Night. And the rest we know is history. So I'd done the reading of this story, and um, this was just before Christmas. It was two weeks before I was due to deliver this particular message. And I'd, I'd borrowed a, a car trailer from a friend of mine. I'd gone to pick up some reclaimed timber. Um, it was a lot of it. It was two tonne in weight, 5.3 metres long. So it was a, a big mound and, and obviously heavy. And I'm, I'm on my way back, and I'm, I'm probably half an hour from home, a trip that would have taken me an hour all round. And I'm going up this hill into a, a suburb called Barden. And I glance in my rearview mirror and I think, I'm sure that that timber is further back in the trailer than when I loaded it. You know, that, that sinking feeling? I, and I couldn't stop where I was, I was on a hill, so I just keep, kept creeping up the hill. Got over to the top, still nowhere to stop. And I just get over this junction of five, five roads and I pull off to the left and I brake. I shouldn't have done that. Law of physics, you know. So this timber that was now further back in the trailer decided to, to come forward and it came straight up against my tailgate of my car. So there, there I am as this thud, as all of this timber is straight up against the car. I can't move, I can't turn. I'm look at, I get out of the car and I look at this and I think, I can't, I can't move that, <laughs> you know. I've got no tools with me, I'm, I am stuck. And into my head came these words, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. And I thought, stupid Carol, <laughs> I need to get this, how am I going to do this? And it took me five phone calls to find someone eventually to come out and help me. And, and we got it moved and, and it, I got it all down again and the, um, I had some other dilemmas on the way home, but that's for another day. And anyway, I get home five hours later from when I'd left. And I phoned my wife, I told her I was having issues and, and it was a, a, a tough day and I got home and lovely wife, she got this, I'd run out of water, I'd only got taken a little bottle with me, I hadn't got my hat, so I was just hot and there was this big cup of orange juice and chocolate brownies waiting for me, it was just the best, what a great wife. And anyway, I'd got a bit revived from that and she said oh, just as an encouragement um, you know the jigsaws that you ordered I'd, I'd made a collage of my family and put each of my children and grandchildren and their partners on a, 
on a collage and then had it made into jigsaws to give to our parents. And it got delayed with COVID, so it had been, I'd done it two months earlier. And she said, it's just arrived. I haven't opened it, but I thought you'd like to open it as a bit of an encouragement because you've had a bad day. So I opened this parcel, and my younger daughter's there as well, and, and we look at this jigsaw puzzle, and my daughter says, um, where's the picture of Joe and Caitlin and baby Grace? And I'd missed them off. I thought I knew I had all the photos there and I I'd, I'd, had to move them around a bit to get them all to fit and, and somehow I duplicated my eldest daughter and her husband and her grandson and my grandson and missed off and, and my heart sank and into my head came these words, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright and I thought stupid Carol, this is a very bad day, that's two things now and I thought anyway at least... Um, I can unload this timber. And I had this plan about unloading the timber. And I'd, I'd, I'd loaded it onto some round timbers, which was where my problem started. But I thought at least my idea was that I could uh, unhook the car from the trailer, wind up the jockey wheel, and then the timber would slide out the back. Easy. And I thought at least I can unload this timber easily without doing it plank by plank. So I, I unhooked it from the car, wound up, and it worked spectacularly. But there was another law of physics that kicked in at this point. As the timber came out the back so quickly with an equal force, the trailer went forward and the tow tow hitch buried itself into my tailgate. I sat on the ground at that point looking at um, what was just a scratch tailgate up to that point. Now I can't see the tow hitch because it's buried in my my tailgate of my car and I, I sat down and Some words came to mind that weren't a surprise to me and they wouldn't be a surprise to you either. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. And I said, okay, God, you've got my attention. I'm listening. What do you want to say? And the reality of that song and the reality of life, when you're... um, facing difficulties and they seem to come again and again and again which they did for me on that particular day and and it it took three occasions before I got the message but as I went to bed that night totally exhausted very happy to lay down I thought nothing can go wrong while I'm here (laughs) but my wife said to me um how come um how come you were so calm today I know you've had a rotten day you know as a good Christian I wanted to say it's because of Jesus but I said, the reality is actually it's because of a stupid carol. <laughs> Not a stupid carol. I'm grateful for this carol. I'll never sing it the same again. But as believers, we can know the reality of that all the time. Sometimes we just might need reminding. And if you're like me, I needed reminding a lot that day to know that there's a peace that we can have on the inside of us that can so affect people on the outside of us so that we can sleep in peace no matter what's going on. That we can help someone else know peace when their world is falling apart. And so we're going to just listen to this carol. The band will, will sing it through for us um, first, the first time through. And then um, we're just going to sing the first verse. I never got past the first verse, by the way. <laughs> um, and then... We'll sing it again all together, just that first verse. And maybe as they sing it to us, maybe use this as a reflection time. What's the storm in your world at the moment?
maybe as we, um, as we listen, you might be able to think of the storms that are going on for some of the, the children in poverty, particularly those in Thailand that you've seen on the video. Their, their photos are at the back there if you'd like to help them out and bring peace to a family that's doing it tough. But that aside, I want this message to be that we might leave this place different to how we came in, knowing a greater peace. You know, there's a, um, another storm that happens in Scripture when Paul is, is lost at sea for two weeks. They see neither the sun, moon, and the stars. And, it, and he, Paul says, we gave up all hope of being saved. Until he had an encounter. And an angel said to him, you'll all be all right. You'll get to land, but the ship is going to be wrecked. You don't want to hear that really, do you? <laughs> that the ship is going to be wrecked. But they, they got to land. And I'm going to share more about that tonight. But let's, um, let's listen and reflect. And then we'll sing that through together as we close. God bless you and God keep you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Simon. I appreciate that you can't see C2. His, uh, his face is here on this photograph. Uh, C2 from Thailand is 16 years of age. He's in year eight. His dad occasionally works as a farmer and he's available for sponsorship. 
And uh, if C2 today finds a sponsor, uh, this young man's name is Sunday. Let us pray. Father, there are so many cards with faces and names that are at the back today. Opportunities for us to extend from 80 sponsorships to a few or a lot more. We love as a church that we can be involved in mission and ministry and uh, being the difference in lives who otherwise wouldn't have that difference. Father, as we enter our mission field, as we leave the property this morning, we pray for opportunities to shine the light of Jesus Christ into a world that sometimes seems to be a rocking boat in a storm. Lord, give us calmness, security and peace to to bestow upon others whenever your Holy Spirit gives us that opportunity. We love you, Lord. Thank you for first loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.